You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is a character study of Aaron and Miriam. So we will now look at the lives of Aaron and Miriam through the books where they are key figures. So first of all, Aaron. What do we know of him? In Exodus, we see that Aaron was three years older than Moses. His parents were Amram and Jochebed. She was his aunt. Both parents were from the tribe of Levi. He was Moses' spokesperson or prophet. He was eloquent. He was possibly uh, the middle child, Miriam being the eldest. He would have already been a toddler or young boy when Pharaoh's edict was passed, so he was safe. He went with Moses to Pharaoh each time, and also before the elders of Israel. He was obedient. He was 83 when he spoke to Pharaoh. His wife's name, Elisheba, is the daughter of Aminadab, sister of Nashon. Uh, his sons are Nadab and Abihu, who were killed by the Lord in Leviticus 10, and Eleazar and Ithamar. Eleazar's son, who succeeded him, as high priest was Phineas. He was used by God to perform some of the miracles. God spoke in his hearing as well. He supported Moses during the battle with the Amalekites. He went up onto the mountain with Moses and heard the Ten Commandments and other laws. He saw God. He stood in for Moses while he was away. He was consecrated or set apart as high priest with his sons as priests. And even though he had witnessed all the signs and wonders in Egypt, heard the voice of God, and walked through the Red Sea, ate manna and quail, drank water from the rock, and saw God give them victory over the Amalekites and others, he still led the people in idolatry and did not restrain them. He voiced no argument or entreaty when the people asked him to make an idol, even after all that revelation. He even built an altar for the golden calf, and then, as if to legitimize it, he tried to associate it with a feast to the Lord. And this was the first case of syncretism, of mixing of worship of God with pagan worship among the Israelites. When questioned by Moses, he blamed the people's propensity to sin, told him their reasoning for wanting a God, that something must have happened to Moses, and therefore he should make them gods to go before them. He distances himself from the idol-making, even though he admits to taking their gold, but says, So I told them, Whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. He implies he was passive, and the idol was has almost a supernatural origin it, it created itself. He didn't restrain the people to their shame among their enemies. The idolaters were plagued and killed because of what the uh, what they did with the calf that Aaron made. He was afraid when he saw how Moses' face shone after speaking with God. He was clothed in the garments of the high priest and consecrated along with his sons. In the book of Leviticus, we see that Aaron was anointed and began the sacrificial system. After he was, has offered the sin offering, burnt offering, and peace offering, the glory 
of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came down and consumed it. Two of his sons, Nadab and Abihu, were killed for not offering incense in the way God instructed them to, and this deeply affected Aaron, as would be expected. As a result of this, God told him he could not come into the holy place at just any time, but only once a year, alone, on the Day of Atonement. He was privileged that, not, that only his descendants would be priests among the Levites. All priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests, is a good way to remember it. He was included in all the instructions about the law given to Moses. In Numbers, God instructed him on how to bless the people, the Aaronic blessing. He and Miriam became envious of Moses and spoke against him, earning a rebuke from God. Miriam was punished with leprosy, which Aaron rightly recognized as a punishment on him as well. He was likely not struck with leprosy because then it would disqualify him as high priest. During the Korah incident, he and Moses fell on their faces three times and interceded for the children of Israel. Aaron ran into the midst of the people when a plague began and he acted as a mediator. It says in Numbers 16.48, And he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. So this incident of the rebellion was negative, demonstrating that Korah and company were not chosen for the priesthood. But the next chapter demonstrated positively that of all the tribes, Aaron from the tribe of Levi was chosen for the priesthood, as demonstrated by the blossoming of a dead rod. God did this so they'd stop complaining and rebelling, which could result in their death. God gifted the Levites to Aaron. He said, I myself have selected your fellow Levites from among the Israelites as a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord to do the work at the tent of meeting. The unfortunate event that changed his future was his part in the failure to hallow God before the people. Although Moses was the one who actually struck the rock instead of speaking to it, God knew his thoughts, and both he and Moses were punished by not being allowed to cross over the Jordan into the Promised Land. Thus the priesthood was ceremonially transferred to Aaron's son, Eleazar, demonstrated by the transfer of the priestly garments. Then Aaron died on Mount Hor, and he was mourned by Israel for thirty days. He was 123 years old when he died, and this was at the end of the 40 years of wandering. Aaron, as high priest, was a scarlet thread, picturing the work of sacrifice, offering, and intercession. He was a representative of God to the people, and of the people to God. Also, the priestly garments and furniture of the tabernacle pictured different aspects of Jesus' person and work, and we studied this in Leviticus. So the books of Moses demonstrate how God created the world and everything in it, promised a deliverer, the seed of the woman, then chose Abraham and his descendants to inherit the promises. It was the time of the patriarchs, beginnings, and much difficulty. So through the exodus from Egypt, the wilderness wanderings, and the anticipation of crossing over into the promised land at long last, we see the power and faithfulness of God in keeping his people. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, 
and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Next uh, character study is Miriam. And we learn that Aaron was three years older than Moses and Miriam was possibly ten years older than Moses. Though we're not told in scripture, but she was old enough to be sent on her own to see what happened to her newborn brother when he was put into the reeds of the Nile. Her parents were Amram and Jochebed. Again, she was his aunt, and both parents were from the tribe of Levi. So, Numbers 26.59 says, The name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt. And to Amram she bore Aaron and Moses and their sister Miriam. So she is referred to as Miriam the prophetess in Exodus 15, 20, and 21, and she composed part of the song of praise after they crossed the Red Sea. Um, so it says, Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Unfortunately, she is best known for her dissension of Moses along with Aaron, recorded in Numbers 12. They first seemed to speak against him because of his marriage to an Ethiopian woman, but then the real reason surfaces. They were envious and proud. So they said, Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? and the Lord heard it. They weren't satisfied with their already elevated status, but wanted more, and couched it in noble religious language. Their words and behavior were contrasted with the humble Moses. God descends in the cloud and calls them out to the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses, then tells them to step forward. He then compares other prophets who he communicates with through dreams and visions, whereas with Moses he speaks face to face. In light of this honor God has bestowed on him, he asks, Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Calling Moses his servant further emphasizes Moses' humility in contrast to their haughty attitude. So God is angry with them and departs without further comment. It's kind of like a parent who is angry and leaves you to contemplate your punishment. So as soon as he departs, Miriam becomes leprous. Aaron is shocked. Leprosy represents sin, and sin separates us from God, which is why lepers were to be put outside the camp and not allowed inside the tabernacle. So Aaron appeals to Moses. He dared not speak to God to complain. Yet he recognizes that even though the leprosy fell on Miriam, it was also because of him and a judgment on him. O oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, in which we have done foolishly, and in which we have sinned. Aaron probably was not struck by leprosy because he was the high priest, and that would have disqualified him from ministering. Moses feels their pain, and he cries out to the Lord on her behalf, Please heal her, God, I pray hoping, since God has heeded his intercession in the past, he may again. But God's response argues from the lesser to the greater. If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterward she may be received again. 
A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? That's in Malachi 1.6. So this is an insult against the Heavenly Father. So she is punished according to the sentence God imposed on her, and the people don't continue on until she is restored. So what do we learn from this unfortunate incident? God exalts whom he will. God hears everything we say. He is angry at our sin. Even religious leaders can sin. Even religious leaders can be proud and envious. And God will judge sin even in his own people. God will judge righteously and he hears our prayers of intercession. And this episode is used as a cautionary tale for the children of Israel before they enter the Promised Land. Deuteronomy 24.9 says, Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way when you came out of Egypt. Then Miriam is not heard from again until her death is recorded in Numbers 20, verse 1, the same year as her brothers die, but she predeceases them. At the time she died, she probably believed her brothers would go into the promised land. She didn't know they would rebel and be punished. She dies and is buried in Kadesh in the first month. She is mentioned by God as one of the leaders he graciously gave to the children of Israel. In Micah 6, 3 and 4, he says, O my people, what have I done to you, and how have I wearied you? Testify against me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Aaron and Miriam's role in the grand narrative ends at the book of Numbers. Moses will die the same year, but after he has retaught the law and viewed the promised land, recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. So you've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion Series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for a character study on the life of Moses. May God bless the study of his word.